Welcome back to the Square Sports Land Frank Podcast. On the host of this podcast, Land Frank, we're nine episodes, we're ten. Yes, we're ten episodes through. I mean, that's crazy that we're only ten episodes through. We're gonna get so many more. We could get up to a thousand. But this is the best sports content in the world. I'll give my NBA mock draft in this episode, predicting who uh, the lottery, maybe some teams reaching, maybe some teams trading up. Who will go number one? Will it be Anthony Edwards? Will it be Lamella Ball? A lot more. MLB free agency, predicting where the main free agents will sign. A lot of NFL segments and so much more. This is the number one sports content in the world. This is Schoolyard Sports episode number 10. Let's get into it, so stay tuned. Let's start with episode number 10, how we always do, with our headlines. In the NBA, Steven Silas was announced the next head coach of the Rockets. You know, I like him. It's a good hiring. His father was also an NBA head coach for a long time. It's a really good hire for the Rockets. He said the main reason he went there was because he wanted Russell Westbrook and James Harden. So I don't expect him to trade Russell Westbrook or James Harden anymore. But that wasn't the only news in the NBA. The NBA draft is next week. But the biggest news is that they approved the December 22nd start date. LeBron, I mean, maybe he'll be ready. Maybe he won't. Expect teams like the Nets to come out strong. Maybe teams like the Lakers and Heat start off a little bit slow. You know, the Nets, they, KD and Kyrie, they didn't even go to the bubble. Me and LeBron only gets like two months off to rest and they start another season. Yeah, it's not good at all. But I do expect uh, the Nets to start off strong and, and the Lakers to start off a little bit slow. But we'll just have to wait and see. Those are the headlines in the NBA. In the NFL, there was so much news in the NFL this week. Probably the MVP of the week was Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook needs to be an Offensive Player of the Year conversation. Six touchdowns over the past two games. He had 250 yards from scrimmage in the past game. I had him on my fantasy football team. He got 46 points last week. He got 41 points this week. Dalvin Cook is playing in a premier running back. You know, he came back from injury. He's playing like one of the best running backs in the NFL right now, and I could not be any more happier. Tua Tonga-Vailoa against Kyler Murray. It was a great matchup. Tua was good. He wasn't phenomenal. I mean, he wasn't amazing, but he was good. You know, he did his job. He was 28-28. He got completions. You know, he, he did really well in third down, you know, escaping out of the pocket. It was kind of like when Tua in the national championship game, you know, he scrambled a lot. That's kind of the Tua I saw, maybe a little bit afraid, but Tua had a really good game against the Cardinals, and they won that game because of Tua. This Ravens team scrapes by. They're not that great of a team this year. I mean, they might be a little bit more mature than they were last year. You know, Lamar Jackson was basically his first full season playing. Mark Ingram, first season with the Ravens. I mean, just a lot of guys on that team, first season playing with the Ravens. They're just trying to get new, uh, used to things. Des Bryant is on the roster for the Ravens now. We'll see if they use him in their next game. But they just scraped by. They scraped by the Colts, a decent Colts team, not a great Colts team. I mean, Phillip Rivers is the quarterback. Some key mistakes by Jonathan Taylor, which led to a touchdown. He fumbled the ball, led to a touchdown. You know, but... This Ravens team isn't the greatest team in the NFL at all. Some people thought they would go 16-0 this season because they had the easiest schedule in the NFL. You know, they didn't play many playoff teams. You know, I don't know. This Ravens team is just not that great this year, in my opinion. The Bucks, The Bucks got blown out in Sunday Night Football. You know, they have an all-star team. They have Antonio Brown. They have Mike Evans. They have Tom Brady. They have Shaquille Barrett. They have Ndokum Lusu. Why can't they execute? This Bucks team, like I said, it's an all-star team. They just can't execute. That's what the issue is. They try to bring in Antonio Brown. I think... The difference is Tom Brady is the coach of that team, pretty much. Bruce Arians, yeah, I mean, he calls the plays and stuff, but do you think Bruce Arians wanted Antonio Brown on his team? Bruce Arians and Antonio Brown, you know, they used to get in fights on Twitter and stuff like that. They weren't the greatest of friends, Bruce Arians and Antonio Brown. I don't think Bruce Arians wanted Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians even said in March that they weren't going to bring in Antonio Brown. He even reiterated it before the season. Now they have Antonio Brown. So Tom Brady is basically playing like the coach 
leader, GM, role owner, role in that team for the Buccaneers right now. You know, it's just he's making the moves, Tom Brady. Not Bruce Arians, not their GM. So Tom Brady is basically like the general manager, the leader of that team. Just saw some people say LeBron is like the GM of the Lakers or LeBron was like the GM of the Cavs, things like that. The Patriots, they had a bit of a rough game Monday Night Football, but that fourth quarter, Bill Belichick is the only coach in the NFL history to play that fourth quarter any better. The Jets only had one snap in that fourth quarter. That's all because of Bill Belichick extending long drives. You know, he drew up a great game plan for that a first play. The Jets had an offense. They got an interception. Joe Flacco maybe overthrew his guy a little bit. Maybe it was a bad decision. But the Patriots, they had long drives. Cam Newton was pretty good in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Patriots, they can maybe get back on track. I think Cam Newton's basically one and done with this team. They can get their quarterback. Some people are saying that Bill Belichick at the end of the season should rather go to the Chargers or the Jaguars because they're going to get their star quarterback at the end of the season. You know, the Jaguars might get Justin Fields. The Chargers obviously have their quarterback of the future and Justin Herbert. They have a nicer roster. But Anthony Lynn is definitely not a good coach this season. He may even be worse than Adam Gase because Adam Gase is probably better than Anthony Lynn. You want to know why? Zam Gase wouldn't come up that close in games. <laughs> Anthony Lynn, you know, he's blown those games. He gets leads of 17-plus points, and he just blows them. Adam Gase, if he had, he would never get a lead of 17 points. So, I mean, I don't know. Anthony Lynn might be the worst coach in the NFL, but the Patriots were just phenomenal. I mean, Bill Belichick, Cam Newton, what a great fourth quarter they had. Letting it come back against the Jets, you know, Jets. I thought it would be kind of a close game. I, re- I reiterated that in the last episode that it would be a close game. And it was off a game-winning field goal. Nick Folk, that was a really good kick, 51 yards. His longest career kick ever was 56 yards with the Jets, actually. Used to play for the Jets with six, uh, 56 yards at MetLife Stadium. That was at MetLife Stadium. But Patriots won. Steelers, they were good, not great. You want to know why? I didn't expect them. I mean, I kind of did expect them to win by like 50 or 35 to 7, something crazy like that. But their offense did struggle a little bit. Their defense kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, it's kind of hard to game plan for a guy like that. Gary Gilbert has never had a career start. You kind of have to go back to like, I don't know, practice tape from him, something like that. Preseason tape. You can't really game plan for a guy like that. And they came out strong, the Cowboys. I think that may have saved Mike McCarthy's job coming out close against one of the best teams in the NFL. But the Steelers did remain undefeated. I don't know what Mike Tomlin was thinking going for on that fourth down. You know, you kick a field goal, it's an eight-point lead. They can tie it, but you can't lose. So, I don't know what he was thinking there. They didn't get the fourth down conversion, and Garrett Gilbert could have led a drive that could have scored a touchdown. You know, in the last play of the game, they did have a chance to go to the end zone. They're on, like, the 20-yard line, and they almost got it. So, Mike Tomlin, that was a risky decision. That maybe could have put you out of Coach of the Year consideration. But the Steelers, they did win that game, and they are 8-0, matching their win record from last season, which was eight wins. So, Mike Tomlin has done a really good job with this team this year, but that was a bad play call. The last play of the game, fourth down one. I don't know why they went for it. But two and Kyler, this was probably the game of the week. I said, you know, they kind of they're not rivals, but it's a friendly rivalry. You know, they compete for the Heisman, they compete in the cultural playoff semifinal. Kyler was really good. The Dolphins defense was just phenomenal. Tua, he was really good also. But I mean their defense was just great for him. It was a great game to watch, you know, pretty much a shootout. Zang Gonzalez blew the game for the Cardinals. I don't know why he's still in that roster for the Colonels. You know, he missed a lot of kicks last year. So Zane Gonzalez, he kind of blew it for them. But that was the news in the NFL. In the MLB, they announced the Rookie of the Year winners. Kyle Lewis won Rookie of the Year in the AL, and Devin Williams won the Rookie of the Year in the NL. Devin Williams was a reliever for the Brewers, and Kyle Lewis played for the Mariners. Stephen Cohen bought the Mets in a cleaned house. He swept house. Uh, he fired a Brody Van Wagen. And, you know, it was a smart decision, the GM. Maybe they could bring in a good GM, someone new. But Stephen Cohen, you know, he's trying to get uh, big uh, market players to come to New York, play for the Mets. You know, not go to the Yankees. Trevor Bauer's trying to get Trevor Bauer to come to the Mets instead of going to the Yankees or re-signing with the Reds or something like that. But Trevor Bauer, that'd be a great sign for the Mets. Stephen Cohen's the new owner, owner of the Mets. He's done a pretty good job so far. College football? There's a lot of news in college football. 
Michigan lost again against Indiana, the first time in 24 years. Is it time to move on from Jim Harbaugh? We'll talk about that in College Football Showcase, but I think it might be. I mean, I just don't know who a replacement for him would be. That's the only issue for me uh, replacing Harbaugh is. But we'll just have to wait and see if they fire Harbaugh. DJ Uungale, he was good, not great. Like I said, you know, you may say, Lane, he threw for 440 yards. How can you say he's not great against a great Notre Dame defense? I don't know why. Because there were plays in the fourth quarter, third down and goal, and he just he overthrew his guy, he underthrew his guy. He threw it to inside, threw it to outside, you know, just plays like that, and then it became fourth down. They had to kick a field goal. Meanwhile, they could have scored in that drive a touchdown. They would have won the game because of that. DJ Uungle, I love missed throws. You know, those are the things you don't see on the stat sheet, the things you don't see on the box score. DJ Uungle, besides that, he played a pretty good game, 440 yards. He kind of he didn't play that great in overtime. You know, obviously, uh, they lost in overtime. He got um, sacked on second down. Then it was fourth down, 24. Obviously, that's hard to convert. So, DJ Uungle was okay, but they definitely need Trevor Lawrence. It definitely uh, wasn't the only missing piece, Trevor Lawrence. They had a lot of uh, missing players on defense. Their leader on defense, Skalski, he was out for them, John Skalski. That was a bad loss for Clemson, but Florida... Beat Georgia, and that was a really good win for Florida. You know, it was their first time being Georgia in a long time. Georgia was shuffling their quarterbacks. Why didn't they put in JT Daniels? I have no idea why they put back in Dewan Mathis. Put in JT Daniels, USC quarterback, former number one overall recruit. What are they doing not putting in JT Daniels? They're playing Stetson Bennett like a five foot five quarterback, pretty much. Stetson Bennett, he's so short. He's not that great of a quarterback. Dewan Mathis didn't even play that well. You know, he started your first game of the season, was not that good at all. He was horrible. So Stetson Bennett, I don't, he needs to step up his game. Dewan Mathis, Kirby Smart said they're all in contention for the starting quarterback job. Just give it to D- JT Daniels already, Kirby Smart. What are you doing? Give the starting uh, nod to JT Daniels, but I don't know what he's doing. College basketball? They released AP poll for college basketball, and Gonzaga topped the list in number one. Baylor was at number two. Michigan was at number 25. But Michigan landed their second five-star in the 2021 recruiting class. And the name I'm not even going to try and pronounce, Musa Diabate, something like that. But, I mean, he's a really good player. Center, uh, defensive player. He's kind of like a bam out of bio who worked great with Juwan Howard in that offense. But Michigan now is the number one ranked recruiting class in basketball for 2021. Hopefully it could be like that for football. I doubt that would ever happen. Even if Harbaugh gets fired, we'd lose all the commits. But that was about for the headlines as there was so much. You know, we talked a lot about the college basketball. talked a lot about college football. NFL, definitely. And NBA, there was so many more headlines, but so much more to come in episode number 10. Now, it's one of the sports game day. You know, if you're familiar with the show, it's where we pick all the main upcoming NFL games for the week. For week number 10, let's get into it. There's a lot of good games this week. Last week, um, we weren't that great. I think it was 7-3, something like that, which which is okay. But let's get that perfect record this week, and I know we're going to get it. Colts-Titans. You know, the Colts will come up close. Maybe a last-minute drive by Phillip Rivers will come up short, and the Titans win 38-31. to Texans-Browns. The Texans will win this. I'm probably going to whiff on it, but... Baker Mayfield's still in the COVID-19 uh, reserve list, and he's not going to be able to practice all week. He'll just have, maybe he'll play Matthew Stafford's situation was last week where he played on Sunday after not practicing basically all week and played terrible. So I think that's the reason why they lose. Nick Chubb is coming back, but I doubt his carries. I think his carries will be limited. Kareem Hunt will probably get the workload. Texans do win. Deshaun Watson is the deciding factor. And I'll say kind of big. Texans win 38-21 to in a really good game. Eagles-Giants in New York. Give me the Giants beating the Eagles. That may be a little bit of a bias a pick uh, for me, but I don't know. I think the Giants, they're improving. 
They're like the Dolphins of last year. You know, they have a lot of losses, but all their losses are really close. The last time they played the Eagles in Philadelphia, they barely won the Eagles. I think that happens again. I think the Giants' defense gets a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz. This defense of the Giants is very underrated. Drew Peppers, Logan Ryan, you know, a lot of guys. RJ McIntosh, Dexter Lawrence, a lot of guys on that defense are really, really, really good. And I think the Giants win in an upset over the Eagles and get their third win of the season. And the Eagles lose again, and they might consider benching Carson Wentz after this game. Bucks panthers Carolina will lose this one really close, though. You know, they came up super close, super, super close against the Chiefs last week. They barely lost. Their kicker missed 61-yard field goal, but you can't really blame him for that. 61 yards. Teddy Bridgewater played phenomenal. Christian McCaffrey still might be hurt. He had a shoulder injury, suffered on the last draft. Maybe he'll be good to go. But I think the Bucs do win this one close, 28-21. to Again, Brady won't be the story. Antonio Brown won't be the story. Ronald Jones will be the story. Orlando Fournette, one of those backs, will definitely be the story. But the Bucs do win this one. Chargers-Dolphins? Tua versus Herbert. This will be a great matchup. You know, we never saw them go up against each other in college, but a really good Miami D is good enough to hold off that uh, Chargers offense. You know, Kalen Balaja, he had a great game. His first game with the Chargers, great game. Keenan Allen's playing really well. Justin Herbert is playing phenomenal, but that Miami D will hold will hold them off. And the Dolphins win 28-21, to a close game. The Chargers come up close yet again. It won't be a last-minute drive, drop, touchdown again, but I think the uh, I think Dolphins do have the ball with, say, like a minute left, and then they, they run the ball for a first down, and then kneel it. But the Dolphins do win 28-21, to really good game. Justin Herbert plays really well. That defense just struggles with the Chargers, and the Dolphins' defense comes up really clutch in, in big moments. Bills-Cardinals, another close one. The Bills need to get their rushing game going. If they do get their rushing game going, then they could probably win this one. Devin Singletary needs to step up. I think the, the Cardinals forced Josh Allen to throw a pick or two. You know, they probably uh, – Josh Allen, you know, he's a bit – Throws a lot of picks, but he had a really good game against the Seahawks last week. But I do think they forced him to throw a pick or two. And the Cardinals win this one super close and maybe the game of the week. I'll say 42-35 Cardinals. And Kyler Murray goes off and Josh Allen goes off too. But throws a pick or two, and that's why they lose. Seahawks or Rams? In L.A., the Seahawks get back on track, though. 38-28. to You know, the Seattle defense is horrendous, but I do think they get back on track a little bit. I mean, lackluster Rams offense with Jared Goff, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup coming off a bye. You know, that could have been, I mean, that's kind of a big, maybe that could help the Rams a little bit. But I do think the Seahawks win really, really close. 49ers Saints, the Saints win big. This is going to be a blowout. Maybe like 52 nothing, something like that. I always whiff and I say there's going to be blowouts, but this time I won't. The Saints win big. The 49ers team, I mean, they, they've got talent, but I mean, on their injured reserve list, they have talent. On their roster, they have Nick Mullins as their starter. I mean, some of their wide receivers are out. Debo Samuel, I think he might be out. Raheem Mostert is out. We'll just have to wait and see, but I do think the Saints win this one big. Ravens-Patriots, it's going to be a tie this game. Cam Newton versus Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson makes some key mistakes, same with Cam Newton, but I do think it goes out to a tie in a low-scoring game, 14-14. to Really, really good game, but it will be a tie. Vikings-Bears, close. The Vikings win 32-23. to a really, really, really bad offense for the Bears. Really, really bad offense for the Bears. And a really, really good defense for the Bears. That defense struggles this game. Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook torch that defense, and they win 32-23. It will, it will be one of those games where it looks like a close game, but on the stat sheet, it really wasn't. And the Vikings, you know, they have the advantage most of this game. They have the momentum all this game. They have the lead all this game. They win 32 32- 23. That's about for Squared Sports Game Day. Leave your picks in the comment section. A lot of good games this week, but we are going to get that perfect record. I know I say that every week, but this week we 100% are going to get that perfect record. 
Now, sticking with the NFL, top five. Today's top five is top five NFL receivers. But, you know, a lot of people like to say, no, I'm the best at this thing. I'm the best at this thing. That's a bit of a thing. What's going on? The wide receivers in the NFL. You see Michael Thomas saying, no, he's the best. Julio Jones saying he's the best. DeAndre Hopkins saying he's the best. Devontae Am saying he's the best. You know, pretty much everyone wants to say they're the best. A lot of people told me, what are you thinking not putting DK Metcalf on this list? Calm down, everybody, on DK Metcalf. It's been like eight games. After the season, I'll probably put him in my top five wide receivers. But right now, he's not on my list. He is my honorable mention, though. But let's get into it. Number five, shocker. Julio Jones is at number five. Not number one like he said he was. He said he was the best wide receiver in the NFL. The stats don't prove it. Maybe if he had a better quarterback, he would be. Maybe talent-wise, he is. But he's the number five wide receiver in the NFL right now. He drops a lot of passes sometimes. But he's playing pretty well in the season. Maybe if he had a better quarterback, more accurate quarterback than Matt Ryan. I mean, maybe they. Uh, maybe if he was on a good team like the Chiefs, Dolphins, even with Tua. I think he'd love to play with Tua. Someone, Eagles, Carson Wentz, somebody. I think he'd love to play with them. But he's the fifth best wide receiver in the NFL. Number four, Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill, speedster. No one's the fastest player in the NFL. Maybe we'll do that one day. We're top five uh, fastest wide receivers in the NFL. Top five fastest players in the NFL. But number four is Tyreek Hill. A burner. Great. He's a great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Maybe that helps him a little bit. But jet sweeps, punt returns, great catches. Tyreek Hill, number four. The stats prove it. Stats show everything. Tyreek Hill's the fourth best wide receiver in the NFL. Number three, Michael Thomas. He hasn't played that much this season, but... We're going off his season, his last season where he broke the reception record. Michael Thomas is a phenomenal wide receiver. He's at number three for me. I mean, not much debate. He's not number one. I can't put him at number one because he hasn't played much this season. But Michael Thomas is at number three. Number two, I'd love to put Devontae Adams at number one. But I just can't. Devontae Adams is two. He's playing out of his mind this season. Absolutely amazing this season, Devontae Adams. But I don't think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. You'll see the best wide receiver, I think, in the NFL is in a second. But Devontae Adams is not the best wide receiver in the NFL. But he's playing up great numbers this season. He has a great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Maybe next year, maybe at the end of this year, he'll be the best wide receiver in the NFL. But right now, for me, he's number two. Number one, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He proved it. But even before he had Deshaun Watson in Houston, he had so many different quarterbacks. Tom Savage, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, so many different guys. And he, he just played phenomenal with all of them. So, I mean... DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. You get him a decent quarterback like Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson, he goes off. He's having a pretty good season this year, you know. I think he'll explode a little bit more down the line, have a really good game, maybe like a 200, 150-yard game. It's like insane, like three touchdowns in the game one time. But DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I'm ending this debate right now. Who's the best wide receiver in the NFL? I think DeAndre Hopkins is easily the best wide receiver in the NFL. Devonta Adams is a close second but Julio Jones, he's at number five. DK Metcalf is my honorable mention. Say whatever you want to say, but those are my top five wide receivers in the NFL as of right now. Now, let's do MVP, LVP. We didn't do this last episode. We're going to do it now. MVP of the week is Josh Allen. You could say maybe Tua. could say maybe Dalvin Cook. It is Josh Allen. Torching. The Seattle defense. Beating one of the best teams in the NFL. Josh Allen had a great game last week, and he's easily the MVP this week. You know, what a game he had, Josh Allen. Looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last week. He's like, if you create a quarterback in the lab, he's what you would want. Big kid. Huge arm. Can scramble. That's what you want in a quarterback. He's big. He's strong. He can throw the ball deep. He claims he can throw the ball 80 yards, and he's fast. He's a great quarterback, Josh Allen, and he wins MVP this week. He had a great game against the Seahawks, one of the best teams in the NFL. He's easily MVP of the week. 
and now LVP, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is loser of the week. He threw a lot of picks on Sunday Night Football, a lot of them, to a pretty good Saints D. It's not like the Bears defense or some crazy defense like that, but they're they're pretty good. Tom Brady just played terrible. And, I, and, you know, I said Tom Brady wouldn't go off against the Saints, but I didn't think he'd throw that many interceptions. They just got blown out. I, mean, I think it was 38-3, to something insane like that. You know, they were just terrible, the uh, Buccaneers in that game. You know, they, they're going to lose the division because of that now. They're going to get a wild card spot. They may motivate Tom Brady and his guys. Maybe they'll work extra harder in practice this week. You know, maybe Tom Brady's firing up the guys. But we'll just have to wait and see. Tom Brady is the loser this week easily. You know, he had a really bad game. We give too much credit to him when he wins. And we give too much when he loses. That's what it is. Give too much credit when they win. Give too much when they lose. We gave so much credit, I mean, when they lost to the Bears, when they lost to the Saints. And we gave so much credit when they beat the Raiders, which you did have a good game against the Raiders, but that's the Raiders' defense. Not a great defense. And we gave a lot of credit when they beat the Packers, but they just ran the ball a lot in that game. He played pretty good in that game against the Packers, but Tom Brady is easily loser of the week. Josh Allen's easily MVP of the week. Leave your MVP in the comment section, but I think it is Josh Allen MVP of the week. Now let's talk some baseball. Let's move to Did You Know. Today's Did You Know is about baseball. But today's Did You Know is, did you know that Babe Ruth paid a fan 20 bucks for his 700th career home run? Alex Rodriguez, when he got his 3,000 career hit, I think he, the guy who caught it, I think he wanted like $50,000 to donate charity, something like that. That's absolutely insane. Babe Ruth's 700th career home run right now would probably go for so much. Not 20 bucks, but that's just astonishing. Babe Ruth. 700th career home run for 20 bucks. Usually they give like the guy, the fans some gear if they catch their first career home run, maybe some signed bats, some things like that. But quick little segment about did you know today? Did you know that Babe Ruth paid the fan who cost 700th career home run 20 bucks? It's a bit of a fun fact, but that's bad for do you know this week. And next segment will be around the bases about baseball yet again. Now, like I said, we're going to do around the bases. Let's do around the bases right now. And we're going to predict where most of the MLB free agents are going to sign. Mark Ewins, George Springer. He might get traded. Trevor Bauer, you know, he's a free agent. JT Realmuto, Charlie Moore, and a lot of guys. James Paxton. We'll predict where all of those guys sign. But before that, Stephen Cohen is making big moves as the Mets' new owner. He's the CEO, too. They fired Brady Van Wagen. But my main MLB free agent, Scott Boris, said he wants his uh, the main target for players right now is to go to the Mets. The Mets, you know. Who I mean, a lot of people love to live in New York. I mean, it's a big city, and you know, you don't always want to go to the Yankees. Maybe you want to go to like the other team, like the Mets. You know, the Mets are basically like the Nets. You know, nobody thought the Net, uh, the Nets would get Katie and Kyrie. Everyone thought the Knicks would get Katie and Kyrie, but the Nets got them. You know, just things like that. You know, same city, but that different teams. You know, a little bit of low market team. The Yankees, kings of baseball. You know, highest cap room and everything like that. But the Mets, you know, they're. They're on the shorter side, thanks. But Stephen Cohen can maybe bring them back. I think they could definitely make a lot more moves. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. Scott Boras said he wants his players to go to the Mets. Stephen Cohen, I think he'll make a lot of big moves this season. Maybe he'll trade for Francisco Lindor. But now let's get into where the main MLB free agents will sign. George Springer and Trevor Bauer, I think they both go to the Mets. Yeah, Trevor Bauer will go to the Mets, and so will George Springer. These are two really good players. George Springer can play center field, left field, right field. I don't think he can play in the infield at all, but George Springer, he'd be a really good piece from the Mets. Trevor Bauer finished up that rotation. I'm still a little bit skeptical. No Cindy guard. I mean, basically the Cy Young race this year is between Jacob DeGrom and Trevor Bauer. That'd be awesome to have both of those guys in the rotation. You know, 
you know, a lot of people said, you know, 2015 was a great year for the Mets. In their rotation, they had Matt Harvey, uh, the Dark Knight, Batman, DeGrom and Nier, Jacob DeGrom, Thor, Noah Syndergaard. Now, some of those guys, you know, North Syndergaard isn't playing top level. He obviously didn't play last season, uh, this season because he had Tom John surgery, but the season before that, he wasn't that great. Steven Matz isn't looking like an elite pitcher anymore, even if he, he didn't even look like that when he was a rookie. But we'll have to wait and see. Jacob DeGrom, I think he would pair great with Trevor Bauer. George Springer would pair great with the Mets. I think both of them would go to the Mets. JT Realmuto. I think JT Realmuto, a lot of people said he would also go to the Mets. He said he doesn't want to live in New York. I think he signs back with the Phillies. Maybe he could sign back with the Marlins. I doubt that. The Marlins did trade him to the Phillies, but I do think JT Realmuto goes back to the Phillies. Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton said during the World Series that if the Rays didn't bring him back, he would just retire. The Rays announced they won't bring him back, so I think Charlie Morton does retire. Maybe a team like the Twins, maybe somebody like that, maybe they could uh, get Charlie Morton, but we'll just have to, uh, I don't think that'll happen. Charlie Morton, I think he does retire. You know, he had a pretty good career, one of those not lackluster careers, but like Chris Milton careers where you're an all-star some of your years, you're not going to make the Hall of Fame or anything like that. Charlie Morton, it was a really good pitcher, you know, for his whole career, decent, like, uh, numbers. And then his last few years with the Astros and Rays, really skyrocketed. So I think Charlie Morton will retire after the season. James Paxton, I think he re-signs with the Yankees, James Paxton. You know, same thing. He can go to a team like the Twins, maybe the Marlins, maybe the Royals, somebody like that. But I do think James Paxton re-signs with the Yankees. Maybe there were some rumors of him going back to the uh, Mariners, but I don't think that happened. Maybe going back to his hometown team, the Blue Jays. He, he's from Canada. I don't think that happens either. I think James Paxton stays in New York with the Yankees, and he's basically their main pitcher now. Masahiro Tanaka is a free agent. Maybe they'll bring him back instead of Paxton. We'll just have to wait and see, but I do think James Paxton does re-sign with the Yankees. And that's about it for the um, MLB free agents around the bases where I think they'll all sign. Stephen Cohen's making big moves in the Mets. Uh, for the Mets, I think the Mets have a bright future ahead of them. And so much more we talked about in this segment, but that was about it for around the bases. So much more to come. We haven't talked much about the NBA draft. You know, I did my top five picks and the NBA draft will be about a month ago. Maybe those maybe those picks will stand up, but a lot of my picks have changed. You know, there's a lot of talk of Anthony Edwards. You know, a lot of teams didn't like his workout and LaMelo Ball might go number one. But the Timberwolves at number one, I think they keep the pick. There was a lot of rumors of maybe um, them trading it to the Sixers or somebody like that. I don't think that happened. The deal would have been done by now. It's not going to be done draft night because it's the number one overall pick. And teams aren't going to want to give up a huge haul for a lackluster draft class. You know, LaMelo Ball, he may be a bust. Anthony Edwards, he may be a bust. Say if it was like Zion, like Zion's year, maybe a team would have given up like 10 first-round picks. Something's crazy for Zion uh, trade to the Pelicans. But um, that could have happened. But I don't think that the Timberwolves would trade this pick. I think they do select Anthony Edwards, you know, maybe they could take him a little ball. I don't think so. I, I mean, my brother said, no, you're an idiot for saying Anthony Edwards uh, will go to the Timberwolves. It's going to be a little ball. Nobody liked Anthony Edwards' workout. I think Anthony Edwards, yeah, I think he'll be the number one overall pick. Timberwolves do take him. They already have a guard in D'Angelo Russell. He'll be their future Jared Culver. So I do think that they'll be a nice pair, Jared Culver, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. I don't think that would work out like three point guards, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Culver, LaMelo Ball. No, he can play shooting guard, he can play small forward for you. Anthony Edwards, he's versatile, number one. Number two, the Warriors, they take James Wiseman. This is basically best player available again. James Wiseman, he's a center. He can shoot a little bit. We didn't see much of him at college, but he's a really good player, James Wiseman. He's also versatile a little bit. He's a good defensive player. But, I mean, he's a really good player. They don't need another guard. They don't need LaMelo. They don't need uh, not anybody else, really. Maybe they could take Denny of D high. I don't know. That, that's another big one. But I do think that they take James Wiseman, a big center, to pair with Clay and Steph. That would be a really good pair. 
And I think a lot of people are overlooking the Warriors this season. James Wiseman will uh, will be the number two pick in the NBA draft. Number three, the Pistons, they might trade up. You know, a lot of people are saying they trade up. I think they do. They trade up with the Hornets. The Hornets, they don't need a guard. They have Kemba. They have Devontae Graham. They have Terry Rozier. They don't need a LaMelo ball. But the Pistons do, and they trade up to the number three overall pick. The Hornets get number seven, and they get the Pistons pick next year. But at number three, the Pistons do take LaMelo ball. LaMelo ball goes number three to the Pistons. The Pistons want to trade up, and this is the player they're going to select. They're going to select uh, LaMelo Ball. The Hornets don't need LaMelo Ball. The player they want, maybe Onyeka Okongu or Obi Toppin. I think it's a little too early They take those two guys, but I think they do trade this pick, and the Pistons do take trade up and take LaMelo Ball with number three overall pick. Number four, the Bulls. They take Denny of Dehigh. Another best player of a bit, uh, available situation. A lot of people are saying he might be a bust. I don't think so at all. I think he's going to be a great player out of Israel. Really good team there. I like him a lot. Uh, he's maybe my favorite player in this draft class. Number four, Denny of Dehigh goes to the Bulls. Number five, Obi Toppin goes to the Cavs. They don't need another guard. Again, another best player available thing. They don't need another guard. They have Darius Garland. They have Colin Sexton. They have their future set up there. But they do take, you can call him power forward. You can maybe put him at center. You can maybe put him at small forward. Obi Toppin goes to the Cavs at number five. Number six, the Hawks. They have Clint Capella. They have Trey Young. They only need another guard. They only need another center. But they do need a small forward. They need to take Isaac Okoro at Auburn, a really good small forward. He's versatile. He can play a lot of positions for you. He can play point guard. He can play shooting guard. He can play small forward, power forward. He's a little too small for center, but he's a really good player, Isaac Okoro. And I think he goes to the Hawks at number six. Another kind of um, not best player available situation right here, but the Hawks do take Isaac Okoro. Number seven, the Hornets, originally the Pistons pick. The Hornets, you know how I said the Pistons would trade for the number three pick, and then they would trade their number seven pick to the Hornets. The Hornets do take Onyeka Okongu, a center out of uh, USC. A really good player, really good defensive player. LaMelo Ball and him were teammates in high school. But I think the Hornets do take Onyeko Okongu. This is a really good player, really good pick. It was a little too early to grab him at number three. Obi Toppin's already gone. They can't take him. He's versatile. He's a defensive player, mostly a defensive player, really good player, number seven. Number eight, the Knicks take Tyree Salenburton. He can shoot. He can pass. He's an outstanding player. He got hurt last season. Maybe could have had the most assists in college basketball last season, but he got hurt. He's a really, really good player, Tyree Salenburton. You know, I was thinking of maybe putting Cole Anthony here, but Cole Anthony, you know, that might not be the greatest thing for him. Playing in New York, you know, that's how it was with Stephon Marbury. Didn't work out, hometown player, and just got to him a little bit. I don't want that to happen with Cole Anthony, but I do think the Knicks do take Tyrese Hallenbert. As I say, he can shoot, he can pass, he can do everything for you. He's kind of big, and the Knicks do take him at number eight. Number nine, the Wizards. They have Rui Hachimura, they have Bradley Beal, they have John Wall. They, they could trade this pick, but I don't think they do. I think they take a six foot seven defensive guard, Devin Vassell. He had a really good season at Florida State last season. He's a really good player, Devin Vassell, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe he could win. He maybe could be like a Kawhi Leonard. I don't think it'll be as good as Kawhi on the offensive side, but I think he's one of the best players. He could be one of the best players in NBA defense. He's a great defensive guard, maybe the best uh, defensive player in all college basketball last season. And I do think the Wizards take Devin Vassell, guard from Florida State, six foot seven defensive guard at number nine. Number ten. The Suns take Cole Anthony, most slept-on player in the draft. You know you say. North Carolina was terrible last season. Why would anybody take Cole Anthony in the top 10? It wasn't his fault. He was hurt most of the season. And when he did play, they were an amazing team. They almost beat Duke when they uh, when they played. You know, he's a really good player, Cole Anthony. I've met him once. He's a good guy, good player. I think the Suns do take him at number 10 to pair with Devin Booker. Devin Booker and Cole Anthony will be a lethal matchup, you know, uh, to go up against every night. Then you have to face DeAndre Aiden, the Pate. That would just be such a good, like, trio, duo, whatever you want to call it. 
Suns do take Cole Anthony at number 10. Number 11, the Spurs, they have this pick. I think they trade down. They don't really need, I mean, and the Mavs move into the lottery. The Mavs do need a player. They they do need to be in the lottery. Their original pick is number 18. Spurs get number 18 now and their second-round pick next year from the Mavs. Maybe the Mavs trade Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway, somebody like that. The Mavs do move up in the lottery, and they get number 11. And with that pick, the Mavs take Killian Hayes, a point guard from France. Another international player, Mark Cuban, loves his international guys, Luka Doncic. He hit on that. He hit on Dirk uh, Nowitzki, and he has Christos Porzingis now. Why not make that three players? Killian Hayes adding to that trio of Luka and Kristaps. And then Killian Hayes, he's a really good guard. He's a point guard. They do need a point guard to pair with Luka, and they do take Killian Hayes. He's going to be a good player in the NBA. I don't think he's like a Frank Nick- uh, Nilakina. That guy's such a bust for my Knicks, Frank Nilakina. I don't think he's like that. I think Killian Hayes will be a really good player. And I think the Mavs do take him at number 11. Number 12, Sacramento Kings. They take Aaron Smith, a sharpshooter, out of Vanderbilt. He can hit the three. He can do a lot. Luke Wallen type of player. I think they do take him at number 12. Number 13, the New Orleans Pelicans. The first big reach of the draft. They reach for Isaiah Stewart. You know, he's a big guy, Isaiah Stewart. He's a really good center. But maybe some off-the-court issues, I don't know. But Isaiah Stewart's a really, really good player. We'll just have to wait and see. But I do think that this is the first big reach of the draft. They do take Isaiah Stewart. It could be a boom. It could be a bust as one of those kind of players. It could be a big pick. It could be a bust, something like that. But I do think the Pelicans do make a big, big reach, and they select Isaiah Stewart. A center, they do need a center. Jackson Hayes didn't really pan out for that. Maybe he's the future. I don't know. Derek Favors they have right now. Obviously, he's not long-term. But I do think they take Isaiah Stewart. Now, the 14th pick. The Celtics originally had this pick. It's the last pick of the lottery. But I do think the Sixers trade up for this pick. And with that 14th pick, they select Jordan Amora. A guard, a forward, a small forward, whatever you want to call him, out of Louisville. He can shoot. He can play defense. He can drive. He's not that great at passing, but he's a really good player. It's a bit of a reach. It's kind of like the Tyler Hero reach last season. You know, I mean, it was a spontaneous pick. I mean, this is kind of a spontaneous pick also. More of a college player. Playing college for a while, you know. But I think he's a really good player, Jordan Amora. Uh, we'll just have to see what they'll do with this pick. The uh, Celtics, maybe they could trade to the Sixers. Like I said, they will. And I do think the Sixers, if they do get this pick, they will take Jordan Wara. That's about it for my mock draft. The first 14 lottery picks, you know, this could happen. Um, some of my picks, they might not happen. But I think at least three or four or uh, five of these picks. That'd be crazy if all 14 of these hit. I doubt that'll happen. But maybe we'll just have to wait and see. But this is my lottery mock draft. Leave your lottery mock draft in the comment section. There's going to be a lot of trades on draft night. Maybe Bradley Beal could get trades. It's going to be a really good night. But we'll just have to see. The lottery is uh, uh, November 17th, you know. But this is my lottery mock draft. These are my picks. Number one, I had Anthony Edwards holding off LaMelo Ball. Number three, I had LaMelo Ball. Number 14, I had Jordan Wara. Those are my picks. Leave yours in the comment section. Now, sometimes, you know, we give too much credit to coaches or we don't give enough to coaches. Maybe we're too harsh on IMGs or maybe we're too harsh on some other coaches like Anthony Lim. Maybe we were too harsh on David Fisdale, people like that. But with players, sometimes we do that also. So let's let's separate them all. Who's good and who's great? Tua. Will Tua be good or will Tua be great? Tua will be good, not great. That's my hot take of the day. That's my bold statement. The Tua will be good in his career. He won't be great. He'll be like the Phillip Rivers of the draft class, and then Justin Herbert will be like the Eli, kind of retires early. Joe Burrow will be like the Big Ben, still going, like late in his career. But Tua, I think he'll be good, not great. He may win a championship later in his career, something like that, but he's got a good supporting cast, and his offense line's okay. His defense is amazing. Maybe they could get one more piece for him. The wide receiver spot, he is a decent running back group. Miles Gaskin, he's hurt right now. Brad Breida, Jordan Howard, guys like that. But 
Tua, I think he'll be good in his career. Not great. John Morant. John Morant will be great. I wasn't high on John Morant coming out of college. I am now. John Morant will be a great, great player in his career. Maybe he could be one of the best guards. Um, he, could, he could be better than Westbrook. That's what I'm thinking. His comparison for me is Westbrook, but I do think he'll be better than Westbrook. DK Metcalf. A lot of people are saying he's baby Megatron, baby Calvin Johnson. I think he'll be better than Calvin Johnson. I think DK Metcalf will be great. He's not good. He's great, DK Metcalf. And like I said, he was my number one in my top five wide receivers. And maybe at the end of the season, he would be in that top five wide receivers. Maybe he could be at number one. But DK Metcalf is great. He's absolutely phenomenal, DK Metcalf. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is good, not great. His stats are great, but he's not good. He, I mean, he's not great. This is why. Last season, when they were on the verge of making the playoffs, Dak Prescott, usually late in the games, he's overthrowing his receivers. He's overthrowing Amari Cooper. He's not playing at Dak Prescott normal level. That's what separating Dak Prescott from good and great. Shea Gilgis Alexander. He'll be good in his career. He won't be great. He won't be like Chris Paul or anything like that. He'll be like maybe not like Blue Williams or Eric Gordon, but I think he'll be good in his career. Maybe make a couple All-Star games. Shea Gilgis Alexander has a bright future ahead of him, but I don't think he'll be great in his career. Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott is the most underrated coach in the NFL. Nobody gives Sean McDermott credit for anything. You know, they say, is it Bill Belichick or Brian Flores? Who's the best coach in the, in the AFC East? You know, a lot of people say Bill Belichick. Maybe people say Brian Flores is the future. Give credit to Sean McDermott. What are you doing, people? Give credit to Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott is great. Great. He's not good. He's great. Sean McDermott has a bright future ahead of him. I think he, I mean, for me, he's probably ahead of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan on my list for top five coaches in the NFL, stuff like that. But I do think that Sean McDermott gets no credit at all. He's the most underrated coach in all of sports, pretty much. And he's a great coach, and I think he is great, not good. Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is great. Eric Spolstra is an amazing coach. He was great with LeBron. He was great uh, with Chris Bosh. He was great with Dwayne Wade, everybody. He's great now with Tyler Hero, Jim Butler, the new the new wave, the new era for him. It's not LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh anymore. It's Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. And that's what I think is great. That's what I think is good. I separated them. Leave in the comment section if you think Tua will be great. If you think DK Metcalf will be great. If you think Eric Spolstra is great. If you think he's good. And just stuff like that. But do you think that's about for good or great this week? You know, I said that Tua was good, not great. And that's a bit of a hot take. That is my hot take of the day. But that's about for good or great this week. Now, cultural bus showcase. Let's start off with talking about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. You know, a lot of people say I talk about Michigan too much. On my episodes, I talk about Jim Harbaugh too much. But, you know, I love Michigan. And I think I'm going to talk about them. Jim Harbaugh needs to go. Yes, Michigan, uh, Jim Harbaugh needs to leave Michigan. I mean, maybe mutual parting, something like that. But Jim Harbaugh needs to leave Michigan. Michigan either needs to fire him or Jim Harbaugh needs to leave. I don't know. Maybe hire Charles Woodson as the head coach, even though he has no head coaching experience at all. Something like maybe just hire a Michigan man, Les Miles, somebody. Hire a good coach. Don't hire Luke Fickle, former Ohio State head coach, who's been swirling in the names for candidates. He's the current Cincinnati head coach. Don't hire him. Don't hire Matt Campbell. Don't hire anybody like that. But Jim Harbaugh does need to go. Penn State? is 0-3 this season. Can you believe that Penn State is 0-3? I said in week one that they would lose to Indiana. They did. I said that they would lose in week two to Ohio State. They did. I had not expected them to lose to Maryland in week three, especially in that fashion. They got blown out at home. Penn State is 0-3 in the season. Sean Clifford deserves to be benched. They are just 
not a good team this season at all. I mean, even Michigan will beat them. It's about, I mean, those are the two most under-disappointing teams in the Big Ten so far. But, I mean, Penn State needs to get going. James Franklin is a pretty good coach, but Penn State is 0-3. Notre Dame, I was a 1,000% right on that game. I said it would come down to the wire and Notre Dame would win. That is exactly what it was. It came down to overtime. Last play of the game, DJ Ungolay couldn't convert, but it was 4th and 24. But Notre Dame did win. I mean, maybe uh, they shouldn't have rushed the field. The fans, players may have tested positive. But let that happening, I doubt that. But Ian Book played a br- uh, brilliant game, except for that fumble at the goal line. But he played a brilliant game. He's a good quarterback, Ian Book. And Notre Dame, they could definitely get in the playoff. I think they're number two in the rankings now. Notre Dame is a really, really good team. And that was a great win for them. Florida beat Georgia for the first time in a while. Florida is a great, great team. Florida is a really good team this year, even though they lost to Texas A&M. Their defense is terrible. Their offense is great. Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts got hurt a little bit towards the end of the game, but Kyle Trask has a future in the NFL. For me, he's ahead of Zach Wilson on my big board for the NFL draft. A lot of people are saying, Zach Wilson, take him. He's a great quarterback at BYU because he's winning the Heisman contention. Is that why? No. Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. He won't be a good NFL quarterback. Screen passes and just speed and space wide receivers in college can be good when you're the Heisman. In NFL, that kid's going to get torched. Zach Wilson is not a great quarterback. He's a good college quarterback, but I don't think he's a great NFL quarterback. Kyle Trask could be a great NFL quarterback before the Dibby Georgia. Now, let's get into some of the games this week. The upset of the week, I think, will be Arkansas beating Florida. This game's a little bit in jeopardy. Sam Pittman, Arkansas's head coach, uh, has coronavirus, but you know how I just raved about Florida's offense? They're going to lose this next game. Kyle Trask won't be the reason. It'll be a shootout. 68-65. to 65. Arkansas wins Felipe Frank's revenge game. Felipe Frank's former uh, Florida quarterback beats his former team, and Arkansas wins without their head coach, Sam Pittman. It's going to be a good game. Shootout, like I said, 68-65. to 65. That's how bad uh, Florida's defense is. But Arkansas's offense will play brilliant. Franks will play a brilliant game. And that's my upset of the week. Arkansas beats Florida. Michigan-Wisconsin, you know how I always pick the Michigan game. I think Michigan wins. I think Michigan wins this game. You know, Wisconsin hasn't played in a while. They haven't practiced in a little while. It'll be a really underscoring game. Maybe 28-10 to 10 Michigan wins. Even though their best players on defense, Aiden Hutchinson, is out for a while. Uh, leg injury will probably just opt out of the season now. But Michigan will beat Wisconsin 28-10. to 10, Not because Michigan's a good team, but because Wisconsin hasn't played in a while. Notre Dame-Boston College. This is the game of the week. You're saying, what? Notre Dame-Boston College is the game of the week? Yeah, it's not that many good games this week. I was gonna say Michigan Wisconsin's game of the week, but it's it's just not about one and two about one and two and one and no teams. That's not game of the week worthy at all. But Boston College is a good team. They're five and three. Notre Dame's undefeated. Notre Dame's on upset watch. Look out, Notre Dame. A close game, but you win thirty eight to twenty five. I like Boston College's quarterback a lot. Drogovic uh, reminds me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger. That's what I think is going to win Notre Dame-Boston College. I think it will be a good game, but I do think Notre Dame comes out on top 38-26. to Like I said, that's about for College Football Showcase this week. That was the last segment of the day, but it was a really good College Football Showcase this week. You know, we had a lot of things to talk about, a lot of the news. Penn State's 0-3. Um, not that many good games this week. Notre Dame-Boston College is the game of the week, but Michigan slow start, and then he gave rid of Jim Harbaugh, but that's about for College Football Showcase this week. <laughs> Now, best for last, question of the day. Who will be the number one pick in the NBA draft? Will it be Anthony Edwards? Will it be LaMelo Ball? Or will it be someone else? That will be somebody else, but it could be LaMelo Ball, but I still will be Anthony Edwards. That's question of the day. Who do you think the number one draft pick will be? Will it be Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball? 
somebody else. I answered that in my mock draft, but that's about it for question of the day this week. It's about it for Squared Sports with Lane Frank, episode number 10. It was a great episode. We got through a lot of segments, but I did announce a giveaway on the Instagram, and that's the winner now. The winner is Terry Akai. I'll DM you on Instagram, but you won the giveaway of the Derek Jeter Ben Baller baseball card. Congratulations, and I'll send you a card. Congratulations. That's about it for Squared Sports with Lane Frank, episode number 10. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow Squared Sports on Instagram, at Squared Sports. Follow Squared Sports on Twitter, at Squared Sports. And stay tuned for the best sports content in the world.